We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date. Detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. Well, we're back another day right here on Let's Go There. Yes, we're here, oh, huh? Yes, heard that through my headphones. <laughs> well, that's how headphones work. Woke me up. No, but here's the thing. I, I know we have a, a busy, busy day. We're we going do. to talk about the State of the Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to dive in with all the hits and the misses, right? Oh, yeah. But let me, like, rant a little bit. Because I watched the entire thing. Yeah. And I have never been so annoyed by everyone getting up and down by clapping. It's the most <laughs> annoying applause situation I mean, Nancy Pelosi almost popped her hip out because so, she got up so many times. I saw there, there was a clip of her with her uh, her hand, her, her, her fist. Yeah, she was. That was interesting. And also uh, trending topics the night of the State of the Union, Botox. That's basically says America for, for you. For me, it wasn't Botox. It was really like. No, literally Botox was a trending topic. I know, topic. but for me, <laughs> it wasn't Botox that I was paying attention what? to. It was the amazing spray tan that our president was in. <laughs> and then it was also Kamala Harris in the brown on brown on brown, which for me was a little distracting because she was surrounded. She was sitting in a brown chair, sitting behind a brown desk, <laughs> and then she decided to wear all brown. Not that it matters, but those are the things that I paid attention well, to, and I don't think I'll be able to say them once we really get into the conversation. Right? So I took up the time to do it now. No, I appreciate that. So no, her outfit was uh, not a slate. It was a go away. It was kind of a go away for me, um, but everything is a go away when it comes to the State of the Union and all of the clapping and Nancy Pelosi almost hurting herself. That was mm. a thing not to, to witness. She's looking good for her age, so I I didn't bring that. up her age. I just said her hip almost <laughs> Okay. You know? (laughs) Say it, but don't say it. (laughs) Well, lots, as you mentioned, happening on the show. A new study shows that the best thing for trans teens and their mental health is gender-affirming treatments. Shocker, right? We'll speak with one of the authors of this new study later on in the show. Does the fear of nuclear war have you panicked? I mean, we're kind of freaking out. Vox joins us next hour. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) With help from experts on how to process the... Fear for many, but at first we break down the good, bad, and the Lauren Boebert of last night's <laughs> State of the Union. Wow, with, yeah, with the Washington Post in 10 minutes. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Yes, the, as we mentioned, say take a shot every time I say State of the Union, the show. The uh, address happened last night, and within it, President Biden reminded people he's on the side of trans people and the LGBTQ community. For our LGBTQ plus Americans... Let's finally get the Bipartisan Equality Act to my desk. The onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans and their families. It's simply wrong. 
And I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. Okay, and with that, when is he going to sign it? How many times is he going to have to make the same speech? It's like Groundhog's Day. But we are happy that he mentioned it, and hopefully there will be a change soon. Meanwhile, I have to watch that movie, by the way. Groundhog's Day. Yeah, yeah. I have never seen that. Mm-hmm. That's a movie. That's that a good I've one. Classic. Yeah, for sure. Meanwhile, the ACLU, uh, the Texas affiliate, and Lambda Legal have sued to block Texas officials from investigating parents who allow their children access to gender-affirming care prescribed by their doctors. And the investigations have already started. You know, Texas Governor Greg Abbott last week directed the state's Department of Family and Protective Services to begin investigating parents in these cases, um, noting that Attorney General Ken Paxton had also issued a legal opinion terming such care as child abuse. So right now, the ACLU and Lambda Legal are on it. And finally, Dr. Seuss Enterprises with Random House Children's Books. They're going to publish a line of books for readers ages four to eight that build on Dr. Seuss's work. But they're going to be helmed by an, quote, inclusive community of authors and illustrators. They said this in a statement today. Seuss actually died in 1991 and last year on Seuss's birthday they announced that it would no longer publish six books by the author that portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong including offensive depictions of black indigenous and Asian characters and that was what's trending this hour what's happening in entertainment news Ryan well um, Mel- uh, Melinda I almost got, I almost got her <laughs> Melanie Melinda French Gates um, is speaking out after her divorce from Bill Gates and she's speaking mm. exclusive, exclusively with CBS Mornings uh, Gail King it's time for the T-Report those pop culture stories trending right now so she said that trust was broken during her ill-fated marriage to the Microsoft co-founder and it eventually led to their bombshell divorce. Um, here is a little bit of the moment of her reflecting. She was married to billionaire Bill Gates. Now she tells Gail King about her fight for rights for women and for the first time, her own divorce. Once trust is broken, isn't it hard to get it back? Very. It's very hard to get it back in any relationship, right? So in this interview, she's reflecting on her journey of healing uh, following, obviously, this high-profile divorce that she went through. Um, Her and Bill were married for 27 years before announcing their split last May. Um, She told King that she shed a lot of tears for many days and recalled lying on the carpet thinking how can this be how can i get up how am i going to move forward um she even talked about there was some anger following the split she said that's part of the grieving process you're grieving a loss of something you thought you had um thought and you had um you had and thought you had for a lifetime Mm. now Gail, she's asking the hard-hitting question. She asked French Gates about the revelation uh, that her husband had an affair back in 2000. And this is what Melinda said. I certainly believe in forgiveness, so I thought we had worked through some some of that. It wasn't one moment or one specific thing that happened. There just came a point in time where there was enough there that I realized it just wasn't healthy and I couldn't trust what we had. I oh, mean, seems like a lot. This is intense. I mean, yeah. honestly, you can't be married to the richest man in the world at one point and like him, not, like that marriage not be rocky. And I believe she's like still like the richest woman in the world because of the like the divorce and how everything split. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know, girl. It's it's very very wild. Uh, if you want to mm-hmm. watch this entire full rare interview, um, it's going to air in its entirety on Thursday. It's the first time she has spoken publicly about her divorce. 
And uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. That's your team report. Yeah, it's not surprising, you know, when you're in that type of relationship. But anyway, coming up next, the highs and lows of the State of the Union address. What you need to know next with the Washington Post. Thank you. Go get him. Yeah, President Biden's first State of the Union address was last night, and he spoke about the economy, fighting coronavirus, LGBTQ protections, and the crisis, of course, in the Ukraine. So what were the hits and misses, and how will this impact his polling numbers? Well, joining us right now is Tyler Pager, White House reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So was this a good one for him? Do you feel like overall he left people feeling like they wanted to support him? I mean, that's a good question. I, I think um, I'm not necessarily the, the person to know how the American public reacted to the speech last night, but my colleague spoke with some uh, Democratic lawmakers who did applaud the speech and felt that um, he, um, you know, addressed the situation in Ukraine, fulsomely explained what was going on and made a um, a pitch for why um, the U.S. has been successful in, in coordinating an international coalition um, to sanction uh, Russia for for its invasion. Um, at the same time, I think uh, Democrats were excited about um, the sort of policy priorities he laid out for the, the next few months. I think one of the challenges that the president has is um, he laid out a lot of, of ambitious policy priorities, but many of those are unlikely to find traction in Congress, given the slim margins Democrats have in both chambers. Yeah, besides like the history making backdrop of seeing, you know, Vice President Kamala Harris and House uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, these two women um, sitting behind the president. I also thought it was really interesting that uh, this administration uh, took the move of kind of like a reset button of COVID-19 where everyone was maskless. Did the administration have any thoughts about that? Was that like something they went forward uh, with this idea of saying, okay, no one has to really wear a mask? Um, And did that really uh, land well with the American people if, you know, if any polling has come out about it? But I just, I guess I want to know what went into that decision of have seeing the entire house just be maskless. Yeah, so I think there's a few things to unpack there. First, COVID was supposed to be a much bigger part of this speech, um, but given what has gone going on in in, in Ukraine, um, it, that took uh, top billing last night. I think in terms of the the loosening of mask restrictions, we have seen this building up. For weeks, many states' governors have, um, particularly in Democratic-led states, have um, released uh, or, or, or relaxed uh, virus-related restrictions, particularly mask mandates. And then we saw last week the CDC update its guidance around mask mandates. And so, uh, and then two more things. One, um, D.C., uh, its mask mandate expired yesterday. And two, the White House announced earlier this week that its own mask mandate on on the White House campus um, would would be um, no longer mandatory for vaccinated uh, individuals. And so I think that then led to the House Sergeant at Arms or, and the House um, medical doctor saying that you did not need to be masked last night. Um, but I, I also think, um, or I know that that all members of Congress that were in the House chamber with the president had to submit to a, a, a test and prove that they were negative mm. before entering okay. the chamber. So I think there were a lot of factors that led up to this moment, okay. and I think it's an opportunity that the, the administration is eager to to tout that the country has made progress against against the virus. 
Definitely. Well, again, we're talking to Tyler Pager from the Washington Post. So uh, it was hard not to notice the hecklers also in the audience, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, who felt the need uh, to do this. Trained warriors in the world, never the same. Headaches, numbness, dizziness. A cancer that would put them in a flag-draped coffin. I know. One of those, one of those soldiers was my son, Major Bo Biden. Uh, yeah, and if you didn't hear that, uh, um, basically yes. clearly enough, uh, Boebert, she actually interjected and said, you put them there, 13 of them, mm-hmm. in the middle of President Biden speaking about his son who is who actually died of brain, uh, classless, brain cancer. Classless, classless. Uh, have we seen this before at a State of the Union address, that type of thing happening? Yeah, this is uh, not something we uh, are is necessarily unusual in in Washington. Um, famously, uh, a member of Congress yelled, um, "You lie!" I forget the e- exact year that that it happened, um, but then later apologized. I, I just uh, in 2009 during President Obama's um, uh, State of the Union, uh, Joe Wilson, a member of Congress, yelled, "You lie!" in the middle of it was uh, quite the quite the moment um and and he was reprimanded by the house of, of representatives i don't think we'll see the same sort of punishment for the two members of congress from last night yeah so as we wrap this up what are some of the you know the big takeaways that the american people will probably it'll probably resonate with us and especially in the conversation of what we need to be talking about moving forward and uh, you know the hope that i think president biden really wants to make sure that this country is feeling with everything going on right now yeah i think what the administration the white house the president wanted americans to take away from last night was namely um the, uh, America's role in 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 the Russian invasion of Ukraine and 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 how um, the U.S. in concert with its allies has created um, these really tough sanctions and, and other sorts of punishments and penalties for um, the invasion. I think that was the, the the crux of the top of the speech. I, I think the second part is really they want to see this as an opportunity to reset the domestic agenda. I think that got less attention just given um, the unprecedented nature of a ground war in Europe, the largest since World War II. But the president outlined what his priorities are heading into the midterms. And I think a lot of Democrats, particularly those in tough reelections, um, are, are, are optimistic that this is an opportunity to reset the message, reset the country, um, understanding of what the Biden administration's parties are, and hopefully boost uh, the president and the and his party's poll numbers heading into November. Okay, that was Tyler Pager, White House reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, what's coming up next, Ryan? Okay, so up next, we have to talk about the progressive response to Joe mm. Biden's State of the Union and the GOP. So stick around for those clips if you missed it, because we got a lot to get into. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, if you were still awake after Joe Biden's first State of the Union, then you would know that immediately after the GOP response, I mean, comes right after that. Mm -hmm. But before we bring in our guest, here is uh, Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa as she delivers the GOP response to the State of the Union. Republicans believe that parents matter. It was true before the pandemic, and it has never been more important to say out loud, parents matter. They have a right to know and to have a say in what their kids are being taught. And joining us to break this down further is Daniel Littman, White House and Washington reporter at Politico. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's uh, jump down here uh, into this, because I, I think what's interesting in the GOP response, especially for people who didn't even watch it, what were some of the main takeaways that the GOP had to say in response to Joe Biden? Well, the GOP was really saying, you know, that Biden basically was responsible for the inflation that uh, we are seeing across the country in terms of people having to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars more uh, because the price of many things have gone up. Uh, You know, they uh, talked about how America's they think America's weaker in in the world, given the Afghan pullout that was a disaster. Uh, and we see with Ukraine doesn't seem like Biden deterred Putin from invading. Yeah, I, I think America is weaker in the world for many other reasons, but we don't need to go there right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, of course, that's to be expected from the GOP. What is your take on progressives like Rashida Tlaib that spoke out talking about how he needs to push harder on progressive policies? Well, it's not. Um, obviously, it's interesting how Democrats and Biden's own party, that uh, they're having uh, responses as well. You don't really see that that often. Usually a party is more united. Uh, and so they want to keep Biden, push Biden to the left. Uh, they want to increase the pressure, get more media attention uh, and remind Biden that there are a lot of promises on climate change, on uh, social spending programs uh, that they are trying to hold his feet to the fire. And so uh, they want to use the State of the Union night as a platform to accomplish that yeah because i honestly it's it's really interesting uh i saw um uh, alexandra ocasio cortez on msnbc and she kind of called out the similar situations and it does feel like there is a divide right now between moderates and progressive uh, progressives in the democratic party and it just doesn't feel like as important right now do we see them actually kind of coming to a place where there is bipartisan uh, bipartisanship and there's not this divide politically inside of the party no i think you know the, the bipartisanship is uh kind of dying a little bit in both parties mm-hmm. uh, and 
We just don't see it that often. There aren't that many bipartisan bills. A lot of the members uh, of Congress, they uh, go away during the weekend, and so they're not able to build those relationships with members of the other party, and so then it makes it harder for them to uh, find common ground. And so this is a long-standing trend. It has not been helped with the pandemic where you can't even see people's faces. And so, uh, you know, this is a, a long-running um, trend that is very concerning and hurts America, frankly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so with that said, and again, we're talking to uh, White House and Washington reporter from Politico, Daniel Lippman. With that said, like, what will happen with the Democrats considering how divided they are and the midterms coming up? I think it's important for people to say what they feel is the right thing to share with the country, right, and push things forward. But at a certain point, is that really going to help them win? No, I think it's, uh, you know, there is a sense that, uh, you know, you can do as much bipartisanship as you want, but most people, you know, the country is still divided and the incentives are not there for parties to work together. And so, uh, because of redistricting, you have a lot of uh, districts that are pretty uh, latent in terms of, uh, you know, they're, they're afraid to one side or another. And so there isn't a lot of uh, districts which are competitive. And so that is like, kind of sad for um, the country because it just makes it much harder for Democrats to, uh, you know, think of an issue that they uh, can work together on and to, uh, you know, kind of, find that sweet spot and so because they all they worry about is a challenger from their own party not uh, a you know during the midterm elections so interesting well thank you so much for joining us we really really appreciate you daniel thanks for having me all right, that was Daniel Littman, White House and Washington reporter at Politico. What is coming up next? Well, while some of us are watching the State of the Union, others are watching a disaster ensue on Wheel of Fortune, the viral moment next. While some of us are watching the State of the Union, others are watching Wheel of Fortune. How tone deaf. I mean, it was there. It was there on the same night. Competitive ratings, I guess, here. But meanwhile, uh, the latest episode had a lot of people on social media getting very annoyed. What went down is that, uh, you know, someone was trying to guess the phrase and it was just so obvious and people were freaking out. So let's. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain the rules of Will of Fortune? Oh, no. No, not doing that. No, just just from the top of Uh, your head. There's a wheel. Explain the wheel. There's a wheel. Actually, you land on different things, you can get money. Right. Or like there's sometimes like the one where you can get like you flip it over and they're like, oh, you get a double trouble or I something. I just want to see if she is Wait, I actually do know you get there's the wheel with different numbers and then you get to guess the letter. And if you get it, you get that amount of money. OK, I'm right. Right. And then you have to guess the phrase. OK, well, let's word. ask our resident nerd in chief. Producer Justin, is Wasn't she that right? close? Yeah, I mean, you were close. Uh, what I would say is it's a version of Hangman where you get you spin the wheel mm. and you get whatever wow. based on the letter. That's in. why I asked Shira, because it was funny. But then if yeah. I said <laughs> Hangman, well, how does that work? I would explain it my way. Wow. Okay, let's play the clip. Well, Hangman was something that happened during sleep. No, I'm just mm. joking. That's dark. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it is pretty dark. Another play the clip. in your hat. 
So that that's that, <laughs> that was it. Well, that was the first time that she guessed. So another feather bl- blank. Wait, your I was waiting blank. For- so that's what cl- she had wait, on the board. So to be clear, the it, the, okay. the words that were there were another feather that was already filled already out. Already filled okay. in. And then it was like blank the letter N. And then Y O blank R. So it was just easy enough for and then her to have blank a, a blank. So another feather. Mm, your. Okay, sure. It was just, ah. it was, there was a couple of vowels what, missing yes. that would have made her be able to get it, but she did not get it. And that was super frustrating to everyone who was what watching. What else did she try? I've never heard this. Another feather in your lap. <laughs> another feather no. in your lap. Which makes sense. A feather would be in your lap. Okay. Another feather in your mouth? No! <laughs> Should we say three the times. actual one? So she tried three times and then that's it. Well, the, the, some other guy got it. Another feather in your cap. Yeah, there you go. So Josh Gad, you know, the Frozen actor tweeted, God help us all. No, it's not fair. Like, leave this lady alone. This is a, like a saying that not everyone knows. This is the first time I'm Wait, ever what? hearing Another that Another feather saying. in your cap. That's the first time I've ever heard that saying. It's a common phrase. No, it's not. Really? Maybe in like certain demographics it is, but in the demographic that I presided, did we talk about? I've never ha- heard of did, that. Did, I, <laughs> I said it was a regional thing, but now I'm going to go even further and say Wait, it's a demographic. Another thing. feather. Let's in, be honest. In your cap. So Patsy Jack uh, came uh, on on social media to. Uh, protect or to uh, yeah defend this person because a lot of people were making fun of her saying uh, mocking them online calling them names these are good people in a bad situation under a kind of stress that you can't be- begin to appreciate I mean, from the comfort game. of your couch and it's of course when it's solved you want to crawl in a hole I've been praised online for keeping it together and not making fun of the players truth is all I want to do is help to uh, get them through it and convince them that those things happen even to very bright people, which I appreciate because we fumble even here. We'll have words serious. or phrases. You know how many times words or phrases will pop up here and like we'll mess it up because we're live. Well, like trying to explain the game of uh, Wheel of Fortune for <laughs> Exactly. We just saw I explained it. <laughs> No, but seriously, yeah, this actually reminds me. Any Wheel of Fortune thing that happens reminds me. I don't know if it was Family Guy or if it was like it was a funny like animated show. South Park, maybe. <laughs> okay, wait a second. People who annoy you. This is yep. I- yeah. <laughs> yes, and it was like spelled like a bad word, like the N word, and it was in like they guessed something else. And it was like naggers. Naggers, yes. Omg. So. I do have the history behind. It's not Black History Month, so we can say we can talk about that funny clip. Yeah. It is funny. It's funny. I do have the history behind uh, another feather no one wants that. in your cap. Okay. Oh yeah. The I do term want "a feather in your cap" is an English phrase believed to have derived from the general custom in some cultures of a warrior adding a new feather to their headgear. Okay, for every so a certain slain. demographic. I was right. Well, it was actually. It seems like uh, you know we took it. It was it was from the Indians adding the feather, but then of course the indigenous Native, folks. Ma- Native Americans. Native Americans. The indigenous people. Indigenous people. Indigenous, yes. That's the proper word. The, the indigenous Community. communities saying that. So uh, it was obviously well, colonized. Sure she's getting all her woke words in. It literally is like watching a Microsoft computer about to like just combust in real time. She's smoking over here. Like her her brain I'm is not, actually I'm just on laughing. fire. I'm just <laughs> <sitting back. laughs> what, we, what do we got coming up next hour? Sure. <laughs> Coming up next, okay, Singapore's latest same-sex ban after this. Oh, my God. 
Well, don't worry. We've got more music coming up right here on Channel Q. But right now, we've got some more show. The gay combat volunteers ready to fight for their lives in Ukraine. The Daily Beast joins us for that in 15 minutes, plus a new study around trans youth that is uh, different than the others we've been talking about. That's next hour. But right now, uh, what are we listening to, listening to, producer Justin? Well, uh, Lithium's Nir- Lithium by Nirvana is probably one of the most iconic songs of the early 90s. Yeah. And we have a story regarding Kurt Cobain in What's Trending this hour. So just figured I'd play a little Nirvana to give us a good palate cleanser before what's to come. Love it. Yeah. Okay, let's get into some What's Trending this hour. What am I, K-Rock? Get this off of the the, radio. You're on gay rock. (laughs) Q-Rock. Okay. Singapore's highest court yesterday upheld the country's ban on gay sex. Singapore. It reasoned that as authorities no longer enforce the ban, it can't be ruled to violate anyone's rights. Well, that makes sense. Local activists have filed numerous legal applications in recent years to try and get the ban dumped. So, yeah, Singapore keeping that up, finding the loopholes, unfortunately. Now, conservative commentator Ben Shapiro gave his take on Biden's State of the Union address, with this one phrase getting a lot of attention online. Joe Biden is the Kurt Cobain of politics. He put a shotgun in the mouth of the American body politic and then pulled the trigger. And the brains are on the wall. Okay, this is the president of the United States is really, really bad at this. And because he is so bad at this, he has to just lie to you. He has to explain to you, actually, everything is fine. Everything is perfectly good. And he's very, very bad at even making his point because what the hell are you talking about, Ben Shapiro? Kurt Cobain revolutionized music, right? He was ground zero of the uh, punk rock Music genre. Grunge. Grunge. That's what it's called. Um, (laughs) Welcome to the stage, mom. (laughs) I'm a cool mom. Uh, And also, he's just like, he's he's known and his, his music continues across many generations, right? He has a legacy. So if you mean that, you know, he's uh, innovating a certain movement, Biden, then hey, yeah, that's actually a compliment. I don't think you're really saying something mean, right? What was the point of that statement? It's Ben Shapiro. Does he ever need a point? He just talks. And like everyone, you know, we all have buttholes. <laughs> just like opinions. Wow. Okay. Is that how the saying goes? Yes. Okay. I think so. <laughs> now, next up on What's Trending This Hour, the mayor of Kherson told the New York Times that Ukrainian forces have retreated from the city, making Kherson the first major city in Ukraine to fall under Russian control since the invasion began. Moscow released Russia's first death toll since invading Ukraine last week, said that at least 498 Russian troops have been killed in Ukraine. The Ukrainian civilian death toll has climbed also to more than 2,000 after a Russian strike on a TV tower. Air raid sirens rang in the capital of Kiev also today. Just really horrific stuff happening right now as we all just witness this, right? And I'm still wondering, like, what is going to happen to stop this? And then what is he moving in? He said on, uh, it was announced Sweden. And what else? On where else? Finland? That was uh, the UN ambassador saying that's potentially their next targets. Like, Finland and Sweden. This is horrible. It's scary. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? 
Oh, well, you know those rumors of Jason Momoa, you know, moving right back in with Lisa Bonet. Apparently, they got back together. Well, he has an update for us. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Uh, so, during an interview with Entertainment Tonight, uh, he stated that he and uh, Lisa are still, quote, still family after announcing their split after 16 years uh, together and nearly five years of marriage. Uh, Momoa expressed his support for uh, Zoe Kravitz because, you know, um, he attended the Batman premiere, which Zoe Kravitz is in. I think she's Catwoman, which she I can't wait to see because all the um, the critics have been saying it's so good. So I'm actually very excited to see it, even though Batman's my least favorite hero. He's the worst. Like, what is that? Anyway. Actually, I like Batman because he's like a... Of course you do. You love capitalists. No, Batman was... A, yeah, it is a rich guy, but he's just he doesn't have a superpower. He's actually creating it all himself. Which is a problem. He's a criminal. It make, it gives people the opportunity to feel like I could be a hero too. I don't need which to. leads to January sixth. Let's ask Batman where he was on January sixth. Ba- Batman would I be the he person to with, save it. No, he wouldn't. He's a criminal. I don't like him. Anyway, no, isn't Penguin guy a criminal? <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Either way, I just this the funny thing about this. Jason Momoa most definitely did move back in with Lisa because once you break up with someone after 16 years together and five years of marriage and you go back in, out in the streets and you're probably trying to date again, he probably took one swipe on t- uh, on Tinder or Raya and was like, oh, this is trash. Let me go back to my wife <laughs> and like make everything better right. so I don't have to be single anymore. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I would honestly, just because of that, just because of the dating scene, I would probably stay married to someone forever and ever. But I'm um, that's your tea report. I mean, that's why probably Will and Jada are still together. If you're being that's your tea report. We got more coming up next hour. They're making money together, too. You know? Anyway, coming up. No, we got discussions to talk about Batman. So hurry up and do this tea so we can decide. How to think about nuclear war. Those words are being thrown around. What to expect and how to prepare for it. This is this is crazy. We're having these conversations, but we've got Vox joining us. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the 
better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. That next. As Putin announced Russia was invading Ukraine, he also added that today Russia remains one of the most powerful nuclear states. So the idea of nuclear war has always been a fear, but the reality seems more real than ever before. And joining us right now is Neil Danesha, Science and Recode Fellow at Vox. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. So how worried should we be about the threat of nuclear weapons right now and nuclear war? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I asked that same question to three experts, and they all told me that while they're more worried than they were about a week ago or a month ago, they're still not they're still not too worried right now about like it actually turning into a real issue. Um, you know, they're more cautious, but they don't think it's still something that's going to happen, you know, imminently. Well, here's the thing. It, it seems like, you know, a lot of experts actually before, you know, uh, Putin actually invaded Ukraine, they were all convinced that this was not going to happen. Mm, but yeah. it seems like it obviously it did. And so how should we really prepare ourselves for the worse in this case? Because we just don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think the, the thing that's important to remember is that, you know, um, Putin invaded a country that didn't also have nuclear weapons. And um, there's this idea of the nuclear deterrent that has sort of been like the main idea of, you know, international security for decades since, you know, the beginning of the Cold War. And um, invading Ukraine is one thing. Starting uh, a war with countries that have nuclear weapons is something else. And most people think that that's just like, that's like a step way too far out. You know, Putin has, incredi- has invaded Ukraine before. He went to Crimea in 2014. Um, but, you know, he's never and no one has ever launched a nuclear strike since the end of the Second World War. Definitely. But do you think this is his way of kind of teasing and continuing to push the limits? And at a certain point, some someone's going to have to do something, right? Uh, you know, all, all the experts I spoke to said he's definitely pushing the limits. Um, you know, that's that's definitely a thing that he's doing. He's on pushing. He keeps on like pushing the limit further and further. Um, and you know, the West is responding um, in in pretty serious ways with the sanctions that they put in. The question is, yeah, really, what does that like? How, how what does the limit look like now? That's a good question, and um, I don't know if I or anyone else really knows the answer to that. So what are experts saying Russia's like nuclear power actually looks like? Can you break that down, and especially when it compares to everyone else in the world? Yeah, so Russia and the United States both have the largest nuclear arsenals in the world. Um, Russia has a little less than 6,000. Um, the United States is about there, too, something like 5,500 nuclear warheads. For both of them, um, most of them are in storage, essentially. About 1,600 are actually deployed on land, sea, and air-based weapons, like missiles or bombs. Um, and then the rest of the world is way far behind. You know, the, the, all the other countries, there are nine total, seven other countries that have nuclear weapons only have, like, a few hundred mm. um, in their arsenals. Okay, so... That still seems like a lot, because y- it's nuclear. Yes. <laughs> it's, definitely still, it's definitely still a lot. One nuclear weapon is a lot. You know, yeah, like, <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, that still feels like I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. definitely a lot, there's no matter what. A, there's nothing making me feel calm about this conversation. Neil Dinesha joins us again from Vox. So with that said, do... I mean, I keep saying, should we be worried, and you keep saying no, and yet why do we keep on talking about this then? Because 
because um, for the first time in a long time, world leaders are talking about it, and and Putin, you know, raised it as a real threat. That's why we're you know, that's why anyone's talking about it right now. It's always kind of been a threat in the background. You know, everyone who works in in, in international security knows that other countries have nuclear weapons. You know, but we don't talk about that. You know, we kind of forget that that's a thing. Um, and ever since the end of the Cold War, we haven't really talked about it that much. Um, so that's essentially what's happening right now. It's important to remember that, you know, diplomats have been talking about it all along. They've always been working on, you know, stopping the spread of nuclear weapons. Um, and for the most part, that's worked. Um, so it, it looks really scary because people are talking about it right now. But, there, you know, people have been working on this for a long time to try and make it less scary. And he wouldn't be able to use it on the neighbor's you know, like now Sweden's coming into play, Finland, you know, everyone's going to Poland now. You don't think at this point, like because he's pushed the limits and like you said, experts we've been talking to, they were like, yeah, there is not going to invade Ukraine. Mm-hmm. He's just playing. Yet he did. I think the worry is like this is a different scenario that we, than we've dealt with before. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the, the important thing to remember is that a lot of the countries that are in Europe are also in NATO. Um, and so there's a bunch of NATO powers that, you know, if, if Putin attacks one of them, he's, a, he's inviting an attack from all of them, because that's how NATO works. Um, and, you, you know, he I, Ukraine wasn't a part of NATO, and that was sort of like the big the big problem, supposedly, at the center of all of this. Um, you know, and so he could afford to attack Ukraine in a way that he just can't um, with other countries in Europe. So what's next? How do we prepare? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, I think what, what one of my experts uh, told me is essentially like, you know, we need to, we need to basically lean on our, uh, on, on our, on our policymakers. You know, we need to, we need to hold our government accountable and make sure that like there are, you know, important policies in place that, you know, prevent, escalation prevent us from like you know using nuclear weapons willy-nilly um and sort of you know we sort of had to tell the people who are in charge that hey you know we're not cool with nuclear war i don't think anyone's cool with the idea of nuclear war um but yeah that's basically what they said we should do okay that was neil dinesha science and recode fellow at vox thanks so much we appreciate it thank you Okay, what are we talking about next? I feel like the anxiety still. Well, no, I mean, yeah, of course. So that's just going to come up with these conversations. But the LGBTQ community in Ukraine believes it has even more of a reason than most to resist a Russian occupation. So we're going to dive in on that and find out more about these Ukraine gay combat volunteers that are ready to fight. Coming up next. Oh, my gosh. So according to a new study... More Americans than ever are afraid of the dark. Oh, I love this show. And uh, here's the thing. While a fear of the dark is most common among children 3 to 12-year-olds, affecting nearly 3 out of 4 kids, according to one study, many adults are also prone to fears of darkness. An estimated 11% of adults were already struggling with this fear before the pandemic, and experts say... COVID has made matters worse. Are you afraid of the dark, Shira? Have you ever been afraid of the dark? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, one, I love sleep, so I feel like I have comfort in sleep, which means... <laughs> but you know what that's I mean? That's not talking... That, you don't have to be no, sleeping in like, the dark. No, but like, meaning... Yeah, I know that. But meaning I feel like if you're, uh, you know, if I was an insomniac, it also has to do with dark and night. I must say, though, there are times where I really feel this 
worry when I'm like in the middle of the night, right? And I do also get scared when I'm when I forget something in the uh, downstairs. If I'm somewhere that where there's a downstairs and I have to go downstairs and it's dark, I do get a bit like anxious. Really? Or even if it's um, nighttime and it's really dark and and my place that I'm at, because you know I go back and forth between my place and someone else's place. Great, anyway. you're bragging about your two homes. <laughs> <laughs> but my place, I, I only have one level. But even at the one level, and it's pretty light out, I live in a city, I will like, I will be kind of like walking toward the front of the house and there's a bit of like a, I don't know, I get a bit of nervous. No, here's the thing. I When I, when I lived it back at home, I always had those moments where if in, in the middle of the night, you're um, you're literally going downstairs to grab something to drink in the middle of the night. It's probably like 1 a.m. I always had those moments where I, I remember going when I was like younger, go downstairs, and then I would jet up the stairs because right? I'm thinking something is like running yeah, like, after me like a monster. But then it, it never happens. We do that every oh, time, I, but it never happens. I'm still convinced that it did happen. Like something's following me back there. But... um. I don't know. I I think it's really interesting how COVID has made matters worse. Um, yeah. One psychologist actually said in this article, fear is triggered by a real or perceived threat. The global pandemic has evoked mm. much uncertainty in different aspects of our lives. And I think the research shows that fear of the unknown compounds other anxieties. Um, fears of the dark and other phobias have increased exponentially. I just find that to be so wild. It is. It is wild. And even in the same article, not to mention another, like, another little stat, but they say it's rooted in a fear of separation from your parent. Right? Which makes sense because, you know, uh, me and you, Ryan, we uh, grew up with one of our parents not at home. So maybe there was like some anxiety around that. The whole parental struggle that we both had. You talking about what are you talking about? You know, uh, we both had single moms. You don't know my life, Shira. <laughs> I don't know. Shira always likes to tell everybody business except for her own. <laughs> I was sharing my own. You know, the separation my, my, my from your parents. I had a divorce. My parents were divorced. There was fear of that separation. Oh, I didn't have any of those fears. If I'm being honest, I, none of the. I oh, this no is subconscious. It's rooted. It's below the no, surface. But I don't have any fears with my mom. I, I I genuinely I don't in the sense of like not the ones that I feel comfortable talking about, but when it comes to like anxieties and stuff like that would co- like compound with all these things. The closest thing that I can connect to maybe a fear of the dark is my fear of clowns. Like I am te- terribly deaf, like deathly afraid of clowns. Like I I stopped talking to a guy because I found out he was a clown in a like not a past life, but like <laughs> as a profession. Life. In a profession. No, seriously. He had the big shoes. He rode a unicycle. Okay. He, it was creepy. I was like, Talents. no. Justin. We, it is nightmarish. two days out of, two days out of Black History Month, and you're just going to give me more trauma. <laughs> Happy Women's History Month. Wow. Yeah. Are you going to give me trauma now? You're not afraid of clowns. Can we turn this off? <laughs> Well, we are back. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. But right now, we've got more show. A new study shows the best thing for trans teens and their mental health is gender-affirming treatments. Shocker, right? We're going to be speaking with one of the authors of this new study in 15 minutes. Plus, we have got big news around an actress. It's a bit of a throwback, but she's possibly making her return. That's in the Tea Report in a moment. Yes. But before we get into what's trending this hour, what is this producer, Justin? So this is called The Autumn Wind. It's a song that is popular with a very particular sports franchise that is now very welcoming to the LGBTQ community. That's coming up in what's trending in just a couple moments. Amazing. Justin, 
Yeah. You need to pick some Beyonce or somebody else <laughs> in these next few hours so I can hear somebody other. I don't know if we can connect it to like what's happening in the news. All right. Well, let's I'll find it. something for you for yeah, next hour. Give me, give me something special. This is something special. special. I don't even know. I feel like a DJ request. I mean, a person requesting the DJ to play my song. You can. DJ, what's the Madonna song? We Where's play the that. crickets? <laughs> Hey, Mr. DJ, turn the record. I, I wanna dance. Okay. Okay. We don't have the rights to that song. Sure we do play that? it on the air. <laughs> but I don't want her to sing it. Hey, let's get into so some. Only Madonna can sing the song. Gotcha. Moving on to some what's trending this hour. Just days before Texas Governor Greg Abbott directed the state to interpret transforming care as child abuse, a trans woman was found shot and killed inside her Houston apartment. Police have not yet publicly identified the woman, but told reporters that she was discovered by her boyfriend Saturday night. According to a local station, the apartment door was unlocked and there were no signs of forced entry. So really unfortunate news happening out of Houston, Texas. Now some good news. Carl Nassib's football team, the Las Vegas Raiders, have announced they will be donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. Here's the announcement. That was a really exciting day for me. I had wanted to do it for a really long time. I wanted to be in a place where I felt totally comfortable, totally confident to really, you know, give a voice to people that needed it the most. I was with my friends and family and it was, you know, it was definitely a stressful thing to do. But uh, we were we were really excited to uh, spread the message of Trevor Project to, you know, bring visibility and representation to the NFL, to sports. And we did it, you know, for the youth, for the kids that are really struggling the most, and that's who I'm most passionate about. And to, to be able to say that I helped them is, you know, absolutely incredible. That was out football player Carl Nassib reflecting on the moment he came out, and actually, the Raiders are going to be matching the amount that he had donated last summer to the Trevor Project. And so he announced this all in an Instagram video, and it, that makes him the first out gay active player in the NFL. And have the Raiders always been in Las Vegas? Mm. There's not another team. Well, they, the Raiders, they, right? Before that, they were in Oakland. Before oh, that, they were go. in Los Angeles, and before oh. that, they were in Oakland again. Boom! Wow. I knew. I was like, the Raiders feel like it's not, like Las Vegas feels Sports weird. Sports history. They moved there two years ago, I believe. Two seasons wow. ago. Yeah. Producer Justin, the fact checker. So wait, because California has two football teams. Three. Why? We have the Los Angeles Rams, Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the San Francisco 49ers. But it used to be the Raiders. In Oakland, yep. Instead of the 49ers. Yep. Well, no, no, the 49ers were always there. We used to have four NFL teams. Oh, my God. Look at us a little greedy. How do we have so much, like, enough money for that, all of those football teams? California. It's huge. No, Los Angeles. No, this is California. California. (laughs) I was like, Los Angeles. Man, I can't keep up. <laughs> Finally, two doses of either the Pfizer, BioNTech, or Moderna COVID-19 vaccine provide minimal protection against the illness caused by the Omicron variant, though a booster shot was able to restore protection, and that's according to new research. Again, a reminder, go get your boosters if you haven't already. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, this childhood star is returning to acting after a huge break. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. And let me just say, she probably won't be wearing pink this go around. Uh, Lindsay Lohan. Mm. You know, the mean girl um, is uh, making a career comeback and it just got even bigger. Months after it was revealed that the actress is set to star in an upcoming Netflix holiday film. 
the streaming giant, has confirmed that they've now inked a multi-movie deal with the former child star. I don't know if that means we're getting an, a Parent Trap Part 2, where mm. she's now the parent. Yeah, I could see that. In her twin form. Which, you know what? When that movie first came on, I literally thought Lindsay Lohan was a twin. And so when they had the reality she's show... She's such a good actress. No, but when they had the reality show, I was looking for her other sister. Oh, yeah. Like the entire, Even I was until like, then... Yeah, oh my God, yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I literally thought Lindsay was a twin forever. Um, the news was revealed literally yesterday with Netflix director of independent films saying that they've secured Lohan for an additional two feature films, saying we're so happy with our collaboration with Lindsay to date and we're thrilled to continue our partnership with her. We look forward to bringing more of her films to our members around the world. I mean, it's really kind of exciting. Details of the two movies have not yet been made public, but they reportedly um, will be available for all 222, well, 222 million Netflix subscribers when they hit the streaming service. Mm. So, I don't know. I'm excited. I really do think they should do like a, a like a um, interesting reboot of The Parent Trap. It would be cute. Hey, you should uh, work for Netflix programming. Maybe it could happen. And and good on Lindsay because she had a rough couple of years and it seems like she's doing better, making her come back, making some money. Yeah. We're in a throwback time. What's old is new again. That's true. It, actually, now I'm thinking about it, you, you're, it seems like you're trying to get rid of me when you tell me to go find a Netflix programming job. I, or just add, um, <laughs> add a uh, feather to your cap. <laughs> All right, that is your tea report. We got more coming up next hour. Thank you. Thank you very much. Finally, applause. Thank you very much. Now, coming up next, the new study on trends, youth, that makes us all say, we told you so, but will the GOP listen? That's next. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. So we've talked about the studies that show that trans youth who do not get the support they need experience suicidal ideation, depression, right? Well, now a new study finds that transgender youth on puberty blockers and gender-affirming hormone therapy, getting the support they need, are less likely to report depression and suicidal thoughts. So there you go. A pretty much a da moment, but it's very much needed. Erin Collin joins us right now, student doctor and researcher in the study. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I really appreciate yeah, the opportunity to talk about it. Of course. You know, it's it's unfortunate that we needed something like this to prove this because it's a, a pretty obvious. But tell us more about how this all happened and went down. Well, the way that the literature looked before we got here was that we have a large number of studies speaking to the mental health effects that hormones and gender affirming care in general has for transgender folks after the fact but we didn't have very much speaking to after you initiate it, what the timeline was. And our study is one of the largest in scope that actually addressed that. And we had about 104 teenagers uh, aged 13 to 20. And we measured baseline uh, depression and suicidality. And we followed them over the course of a year. Uh, 
the treatment we used was, uh, you mentioned, purity blockers, gender-affirming hormones. And the decision of whether or not each individual would go on it was based on what the patient wanted and what the parents consented to. Mm. And it was really, really dramatic what we saw, actually. The depression started at 56.7% of our baseline population. But that reduced by 60%. It went down to 22.7% at the end for the folks who received the gender-affirming care. Suicidality was yeah. 44.3%, and that dropped down to 117 We're talking a 73% reduction in suicidality for transgender teenagers who received this uh, care. Well, here's the and, thing. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean oh. to interrupt. But I, I do want to get into what we're seeing, especially across the country, happening specifically even in Texas with, uh, you know, now, uh, you know, parents and families becoming under attack, you know, just because they are getting, you know, their children, their trans children, you know, into these, you know, safe medical treatments. And it, it feels like how would, would, you know, your study help, you know, go against that in, in, in the ways where these families aren't happy? You know, being attacked on a daily in the ways that we're seeing. Oh yeah, exactly. And you know, it's it's an absolute tragedy that just to begin with, transgender folks can't get the care that they need, and then you have these political hurdles being thrown in place to make uh, it literally impossible for transgender teenagers to get care that we know works. And the other half of this is that in our study, we saw folks who did not receive this care had such a horrible worsening. Their symptoms were two to three times worse than they were at the beginning of the study at the end. So it, and the numbers were just grim to begin with. Yeah. Well, it feels like gender affirming care is the opposite of child abuse. Exactly. It really is. We have every bit of scientific and clinical evidence to say that gender affirming care is effective. It is safe and it is life saving. And these political measures being put in place to limit its access will do direct harm, not just to transgender teenagers, but to anybody who cares about them, which I would hope would include most of us. Yeah, and I think we also need to, uh, I, I wish more people would understand that adults who are not queer or trans use gender affirming therapies or, you know, treatments all the time for their own selves, right? To navigate their own experiences with gender. And it's just so interesting that we're seeing gender affirming, um, you know, therapy or treatments in these ways kind of, you know, be just targeted to trans youth or trans people when that is just not simply the case. There's people across the country who do this who are cis um, that are, you know, need that gender affirming care to make them feel better about their gender. Well, there is a wide degree of medical indications to be uh, on these. You know, it could be due to some sort of inner ongoing hormonal problems. I'm trying to not accidentally run off into some esoteric diagnosis here, but you know, so in uh, teenagers, sometimes you see precocious puberty where somebody starts having puberty at seven years old. Yeah. And we've been using these medications, these hormones in folks for a variety of reasons for decades, and it's never been a problem before this. Mm. So what about legislation coming out of this? Is that your hope? Yeah, I mean... It would be really lovely to see some political will shift such that 
transgender teenagers, transgender people in general, would get the protections that they need. We have every reason to think that gender-affirming care works, is safe, and is even necessary for trans people to participate fully in their lives in a way that most of us get to take for granted. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for being here and for the study. That was Erin Collin, student doctor and researcher. Uh, You can check out the entire report at theconversation.com. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good day. You too. All right. What's up next, Ryan? Well, let's pivot because we got to discuss what is compulsory heterosexuality Mm. and how do even queer people fall into the trap coming up next. Compulsory heterosexuality is a theory that heterosexuality is forced upon women by the patriarchy. But why is it being brought up now? Here to share more is Dr. Melissa Fabeo, professor of human sexuality studies. Thanks for joining us. Hello, and thank you. Okay, so, well, we need to get into all of this. I have a lot of questions. Why is this in the news now? Why are we talking about this? I'm really, really glad that we're talking about it. And I think it's actually really interesting. It's a conversation that comes up a lot for me and for my community in, like, bisexuality, uh, compet, which is what, you know, it's often shortened to, compulsory heterosexuality, um, comes up a lot. Um, And it's obviously something that's pushed on all people, right? Like we live in a world where um, heterosexuality is seen as the norm. It's It's seen as the thing that we should all do, and we are all impacted by it. Yeah, I wanted to touch on the the what you just said. I think it is it does impact all people, right? And I think it impacts all queer folks in the sense of I, even as a, a queer black gay like queer man right now, I feel like from the south it informed this idea of like really conforming to heteronormativity in ways that just I was raised around that, especially in gay communities out in the South because it was like, oh, you have these roles. These roles fit this and this these roles are often mirroring, mm. you know, what we think of when it comes to heteronormativity. So how do we break mm. away from something that feels like so ingrained, unfortunately, in our, our you know, societal DNA? That is such a good question. And you really pointed to something that I think is really important, which is the way that heteronormativity plays a role even in our lives when we're queer, whether that's the idea of like someone who's mask and someone who's femme, they're supposed to go together and the mask is the person who pays and da 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 da. Or even like the fight for marriage equality is also why are we trying to fit into a heteronormative institution. And so it's, it's, it, it impacts all of us um, in really interesting ways. And uh, what's really, really difficult is that when we talk about what does it look like to kind of move out of that, it's about rejecting a lot of social norms. And that can be really, really hard for people um, because we are inundated. Like we, it, it surrounds us. It's like the water that we swim in is the culture. And it can be really difficult to reject and to say, no, I'm not going to do this thing. Or at least I'm going to explore and question and challenge why it shows up for me. Definitely. What's the history behind uh, this? Because there was this really great um, article in LGBTQ Nation about how it it started or like defined in 1980 and actually how it's called Comfet, right? Uh, It's known as that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think, right, I think this is the thing that I think is so awesome about language 
is that we find language, um, and obviously language cannot capture the complexity of human experience, mm-hmm. right? But we try. And I think that when we have language to help understand what experiences are happening in the world, and I think that with compulsory heterosexuality, it's a really great, it's a, it's a little bit different from the idea of heteronormativity, although they go together, they're obviously, they, they relate to one another. But compulsory heterosexuality being the idea specifically that, um, it is assumed, we are assumed straight. It is compulsory for us to engage in heterosexuality. And I think that even us as queer people, like queer people also, a part of why we sometimes have trouble realizing or it takes time for us to realize that we're queer is because we are engaging in heterosexual quote unquote behavior um, because that's the only thing that we see. It's the only model that we have. It's the only thing that we're ever told is a possibility. Yeah. Um and so having a word to describe that as compulsory heterosexuality, I think, is really, really important to help us see that that's, oh, that's what's happened to me in my life. Hmm. Yeah, but I even think it can get a little tricky in the nuances of being masculine and, 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 and feminine and, and, and kind of trying to find yourselves in these kind of identity or identifiers, right? Yeah. Um, and, and if you're just not mm-hmm. joining us, we're talking to Dr. Melissa F- uh, Fabello. And I think how can we, you know, exist in, in, in presenting masculine or femme and when it kind of does, was you know, its starter mm. point does start in this idea of heteronormativity and what society has taught us are these ideas, right? And so do we t- kind of like shift away from that altogether? But if that feels mm. natural to you, it, it's like, mm-hmm. how do you still move forward in that? Because it's so tricky. Oh, gosh, it's so tricky. Do we have three hours? Because I, I feel like we still wouldn't be able to get to the end of it. The I history think, behind how we got here. I could talk about this here. forever. It's so interesting. Like, this is so interesting. I could talk about this it forever. It is. I, I think that ultimately something that we have to accept, and it can be hard to accept, but something that we have to accept is that on the one hand, we don't make decisions in a vacuum, right? Mm. Like, we cannot ignore the fact that we are socialized and we may, we may make decisions based on the way that we're socialized. We, we can't ignore that, but we also can't ignore that we wouldn't know what would happen um, mm-hmm. if the socialization didn't exist. And yes. I think that's where things get really, really tricky. It's similar, like I identify really, really strongly as them. And like a, a, something that comes up sometimes is something like makeup, you know, mm-hmm. or like body hair removal. Yeah. Would you do that if it wasn't for patriarchy? There's mm-hmm. no way to know. Yeah. There's no way to know. Um, and I think that being aware of that is maybe maybe the more important thing is like, can I have awareness around can I try my best to make decisions um, based on being aware of all of the complications of that decision and still going with what is to my best like knowledge? the thing that I want to do. And that's yeah. the beauty of nuance, right? That's the beauty of yeah. kind of intersectionality in it where you can exist in that middle space and have time to explore it. I mean, that's that's the beauty of our community, right? And we don't have to mm. subject ourselves to what society has really um, kind of punished us to, to go through and accept. And so that that's absolutely beautiful. I think that really does give you, give us the grace and space to kind of, you know, allow ourselves to just live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What are some questions people can ask themselves in terms of reflecting on this? Uh, because I think what you just mentioned is really important, like really understanding, does does your liking of something or something uh, or someone, uh, you know, does it come from what you actually want and need and brings you joy? Or is it based on what you think you should have? Sure. I think one question is just as simple as how was I socialized around this idea? Mm. You know, what 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 did I learn from my parents or my caregivers? What did I learn from media? 
Um, what did I learn in school? What did I learn from whatever groups I spent time with growing up? Like, wh- what did I learn about about this? Um, that's a really good place to start. And then that sense of like, even just like the somatic practice of getting into your body and to say, what does this behavior, whatever it is, how does it make me feel? Does it feel like something that is bringing me joy? Does it feel like an embodied yes, like I am excited about this thing? Or does it feel like obligation? Does it feel like a responsibility? Does it feel like something I have to do? And again, holding the nuance that sometimes we do things that maybe don't make us feel great in order to to be safe, you know, is another thing that we have to consider. And you know, or to, or maybe to be respected. Like we can't ignore that. Like that's how oppression works. Is yep. It puts you in an impossible position. Yep. But I think just asking ourselves, yeah, how was I socialized around this? And like, what does this feel like in my body? Wow. You are so wonderful. That's great. Please come back. <laughs> Thank Please. you. Of course. Well, next up, have you ever sent a text meant for someone else? The insulting and embarrassing thing that happened to this one woman next. We are wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. You know, typically during the State of the Union address, Logo TV will have their LGBTQ State of the Union. Yes, which I always love. And Billy Porter hosted it. Was it last year? He's hosted it since they've started. Oh, so he's always. But this year, they got our favorite Angelica Ross. Yes, because it was very, very important. Actually, um, because I do a lot of really cool work with Logo as well. And Mm -hmm. so I found out that they were switching it up, which feels so much more powerful and important under everything that's going on in the world right now. Um, and the anti-trans legislations and just the voices that we should be amplifying. Yep. And so it just feels right that Angelica is the one, uh, you know, delivering this message. Definitely. Well, here's a moment from that. I'm calling on each and every one of you to join me in holding our communities, our local representatives, and our nation's leaders accountable doing this very critical inflection point in American history. We are all living through a moment of unprecedented loss, financial hardship, and socio-political discord. We know these issues disproportionately impact the most marginalized among us. So we need our leaders to be doing more to protect our LGBTQ community, but most particularly, our black trans sisters and siblings. Yes, she also pushed for the passage of the Equality Act, uh, which of course is federal legislation that would prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity. So it was really powerful and she did great. No, she always, I mean, she's flawless. Yeah. So you can check out that full video at Logo TV. And that's our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. That also does it for our show today. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are back tomorrow, weekdays here, live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, of course, we got What's Trending This Hour, The Tea Report every hour, too. And we're going to be getting into the war in the age of crypto also. You know, what that all means with everything going on. So, you know, listen and hang out with us tomorrow also, as well as some good music. We always have great music here on Channel Q. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Loveline with Dr. Chris, where he's talking about things to consider before taking the big step and moving in together. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.